everyone, and welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, a podcast where our goal is to read the entire Bible in a year, seeking to understand God's plan of redemption while discovering daily and practically your part in it. Hey everybody, welcome back. Today we're looking at 1 Kings 9 and 2 Chronicles 8, and on the surface it seems like this is fantastic. Everything is coming together. Solomon has so many wonderful accomplishments. I don't know if fantastic's the right word. <laughs> It but seems pretty straightforward account. When you start to drill into it, yeah. um, if you drill into it for any more than what's <laughs> on the surface, it's like, wait a minute, what? Uh huh. So we, as we were reading this, to me, I don't know that, again, like I said, I don't know if I would call this exciting, but it just seems like one of those very straightforward chapters, like Solomon is like interacting with Hiram or Hiram or whatever you say. I say it differently. Than Hiram you. Abi. I like that one whatever. better. Yeah. Um, so he's interacting with this guy. They're talking about like... He's not, the Hiram is not super impressed with the, the land that he was given. So there's like this talk back and forth between the two of them. But also like Solomon is making like decisions based on how things are going to be continued to grow and build and whatever. And on the surface, it seems just like this very straightforward account of what's going on. However, when we start digging in, there were two instances that kind of stuck out to us uh, today as we're reading this semi-straightforward account mm -hmm. where we're talking about um as things what what are being built again ryan like what is actually like well it's a little bit of a recap of things that have already been like his his own house the lord's house okay so it's the, just referring the, the to those milos or millos yeah you would look that up what is that so they are just like terraced walls they would build these retaining walls basically and put dirt behind the retaining walls so that they could build um, houses and other buildings. I mean, like, very on similar slopes. to what we've seen kind of today. -ish. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. Retaining walls remain a, yeah. a big architectural piece, and so it's it's advanced for sure for them. So yeah. they're they're able to build um, their their cities. If you if you see Israel's landscape, it is very hilly. But what is interesting though about that is we were talking that advanced kind of architecture or building is we think influenced by the Egyptians because there's a pretty tight relationship there because Solomon is married to Pharaoh's daughter. So like there's like this weird relationship and it seems like at the time, it's so funny we do these kinds of things today. It seems like a great tie into this like really advanced community of people like the Egyptians because they would have been the ones that knew how to do a lot of those things, like very far advanced people in that day. Um, but that comes along with a lot of really like you better be careful kind there's, of situations there's because, some tricky stuff yeah so we noticed that that was the first one we'll dig into that a little bit more uh but the other was in second chronicles chapter eight there's this tiny little passage uh in verse 11 it says solomon brought pharaoh's daughter up from the city of david to the house that he had built for her for he said my wife shall not live in the house of david king of israel for the places to which the ark of the lord has come are holy so here we have solomon and one of his wives being the Egyptian, interesting how this Egyptian theme keeps crossing over, over and over again. And that's where all the problems are lying. Um, she's not even allowed to live in the house. Like he actually says, well, this is the holy place. You can't be living here. So we've got two instances of like, hmm, 
this is odd. There's like these weird ties to things that the Lord has already delivered them from. And it's like lingering and it's starting to fester. So we've been talking about this roller coaster idea. We we were at the top like two days ago. We're like slowly plummeting downward. So you can see how some of these instances are just like taking them from a really great place of like trusting the Lord to like starting to put their trust in other things that he has warned over and over and over about. Um, so those are the two things we saw today. So why don't we dig into the first? The first being what? The building. <laughs> the building with the specific um, individuals. Yeah, so it's interesting. So First Kings is going to tell us that Pharaoh from Egypt actually went up into Gezer and killed the Canaanites living in that area as a dowry for Solomon's wife. Which seems like a good thing. Well... I mean, I don't know that we're super into just like killing off tons of people. No, because Canaanites are an enemy of the people of so, Israel. So a long-standing thing in this entire Old Testament text has been that the Canaanites are not supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. The a mark of faithfulness to Israel was that they Israel was going to be used as an instrument of God's justice against the wicked Canaanites, and they were supposed to kill them off mm-hmm. um, as an act of judgment after God had given them extensive mercy. And nobody does it. A big, a big part of a big part of Saul's narrative is that at one point he actually refuses to kill off a city and keeps the best people um, so that they can continue mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the work. Yeah. So we know from the text in First Kings and in Second Chronicles that Solomon is enlisting forced labor of primarily non-Israelites to do a lot of the construction on these buildings. Mm-hmm. And these people are not supposed to be in existence. They are supposed to have been judged by God, um, by the people of Israel. And the people of Israel would know that. Mm -hmm. They would definitely know that. And so it's a a little bit odd. There's two things that will make us wildly uncomfortable in our modern age. The first thing is these people were supposed to be killed off as judgment. They have not been. Uh, So it's a little bit odd to make the case that they should not be. (laughs) They shouldn't be slaves. They should be dead. (laughs) Uh, it's a little bit weird. The second part is when you read over um, this account and you see that slaves built the temple and Solomon's house and the, the Milo, uh, that makes you uncomfortable. It is important to remember that when the Bible says slaves, it does not mean what pops into your head when you hear the word slaves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it was It was compulsory work for sure. They were forced to do the labor. Um, but oftentimes they lived in pretty good circumstances. I was going to say it's almost like an employment in a yes. way situation. Yes, it. It. I, I don't want to. I don't want to make it better than what it is. They were forced mm-hmm. to do the labor, but most likely they were actually compensated. Most mm-hmm. likely they actually lived in pretty good uh, circumstances, and most likely it elevated their financial status. And that is how ancient Hebrew slavery was understood. And so in a lot of ways, um, that form of indentured servitude or forced labor was a lot of times a positive thing for the individual, even though it makes us uncomfortable today. And I I don't I'm trying to explain the context, not trying to make you feel at ease with what's going (laughs) on. Yeah, right, right. Um, So that is that is point number one. Mm -hmm. Um, These people shouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. Uh, And. The, the writer actually includes 
Pharaoh or Pharaoh's daughter, Solomon's wife, in that same piece of text, <laughs> which means the writer is connecting these two ideas yeah. that these are people who have idols and false gods. Remember, their idols still exist. They're they're still worshiping someone other than God, and they are at the center of building the temple. It's mm -hmm, very bizarre. Mm -hmm. And so the writer is going to say, hey, these people that don't worship God, oh yeah, and Solomon's wife, who also kind of doesn't <laughs> worship God, um, that should that should cause us to be concerned. Mm -hmm. So I think that's like one little tipping point. But then it leads right in to what we were talking about earlier, like an even more obvious one, because I read it, I was like, oh, this is so uncomfortable on like a couple different levels. So in Second Chronicles chapter eight, that is where we are reading about like Solomon literally says, well, I have to build a house for my wife because yeah. she can't be close to the holy things. And I had made the example too, like, wow it's like almost like his like little wife on the side kind of deal he that he has to wrong. like go and put somewhere in a nice little house in the city so that you know wives at home don't know or aren't aware but what's weird is that the wives aren't really the ones that like i don't think necessarily care about the scandal of it it's more like he's trying to like in a way, hide it from God as if God's presence only exists or God only exists. He's not omnipresent to know the situation or something because she's not close to the, the Ark of the Covenant. Like what? I just feel like it's like this really strange, like childlike idea that I can just hide the wife under the rug that nobody should be knowing about or I guess God shouldn't be knowing about. Um, and it just... It just rubbed me the wrong way in so many, so many ways. One thing that gets lost on us is that worship of idols in that day was a lot more involved than we assume. Yeah, yeah. And so when it says, uh, you keep calling out the verse 11, right? Yes. Um, my... Yeah, my okay. So my, my wife, wife shall not be in the house of the Lord because the places to which the ark of the Lord have come are holy. Most likely that is because she's very actively engaged in worshiping right. the idols of Egypt, right. um, which is like a, there's a lot of life practice that's connected to that. It's not just like, oh, she kind of likes, you know, raw. No, no, no her she, life is dedicated to it. She would be regularly yeah. worshiping, acting out worship to foreign gods. So this is not like, okay, you need to live over there because you like that other god. No, this is like, she's regularly doing worship rituals right. to foreign gods. Right. Um, that is an abomination to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the fact that Solomon's just like, well, we'll just put you in a different house. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what? So we have what? Like, the problem of not only multiple wives, because that's an issue yes, too. An God issue warns too. about that. Yep. Like the one wife he has to put in a completely different location because he's afraid of like the fact that she's worshiping other gods all the time. Like, Dude, you don't get to just have all these exceptions to the rules because you're the big guy. Why didn't he say, hey, we we worship yeah. Yahweh. Like, we worship the God of Israel here. Mm -hmm. Like, this is not mm -hmm. okay. And we're going to see, the, we're, we're going to see uh, the heading for 1 Kings 11 is literally Solomon turns from the Lord. Ah, so it didn't take long. It's coming soon. And the the cracks become wider mm -hmm. and the uh, the... I don't know, like the dangers become bigger. Mm -hmm. so. Just like crashing down in now. Here we go. Brace yourselves, everyone. <laughs> We're about so, to get to some Ecclesiastes too, so there's that. <laughs> I think a really fantastic takeaway is we cannot allow any wiggle room mm -hmm. uh, in being drawn away from God. I think probably the, the temptation to serve uh, idols is less than it used to be. 
um, when it comes to actual rituals, and, and it's not gone, but I think in our culture, that doesn't seem to draw people away as quickly um, as just, you know... It's the, it's the, all the act, though. That's what's interesting. It's not... It's not because it was God's for them. Like yeah. any type of wiggle room. If you are addicted to to yeah. any type of substance, any wiggle room you give for yourself, you're not helping yourself. I mean, if you have struggles with with keeping a healthy like weight or diet, any wiggle room is just allowing for more like more problems down the road. Any type of relationship that you're in, if you allow for any wiggle room, like outside of that relationship, it is going to crumble and fall because trust like completely falls to the wayside. So like, I think for them, like we can look at it and be like, oh, well, they struggled with gods. Okay. Well, again, their problem is not necessarily just the gods. It's the fact that there's wiggle room to allow something else in that doesn't belong. And Solomon is a fantastic case study because from the introduction of Solomon, it's been like, wait, what? Mm -hmm. Is that okay or not? Like, I'm not sure. And that is that is how that's how it happens. Mm-hmm. It's like, wait a minute, is that is that okay? Or it sort of feels like you shouldn't be doing that, but maybe <laughs> you it's... have to ask the question. It's probably not a good thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and I understand like that's that is a common struggle that many people have. And I think as followers of Jesus, as people who love the Lord, uh, God is a jealous God for sure, and He does not mm-hmm. appreciate. Uh, having other gods that we serve on the side. Yeah, because, I mean, I, the more I think about it, it's like, why do we want wiggle room? It's for our own comfort. It's for our own, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's not because you're you're seeking out what God wants. Like, it, sometimes it's not comfortable to have to go and say, hey, wife, um, I definitely... I definitely don't agree with the gods that you're dealing with because that that brings up its own set of problems, you know? And so it's very, very interesting, that idea of wiggle room. Like, oh, it feels like a good thing, but it's really, it's destructive. Yesterday, we talked about blessed are those whose hope is in the Lord. And when you have wiggle room in your life, you're not hoping in the Lord. You're hoping in all the other stuff. And you want so that comfort, yeah. Our challenge to you today is to authentically hope in the Lord and don't be distracted by all the other stuff. Don't allow yourself any wiggle room. Exactly. It's uh, our, our kids are finally awake. And <laughs> so we've got to end this episode. Say hi, guys. Can you say hi to the people? Hi. Hi. <laughs> we'll be back again tomorrow. We'll see you then. Thanks so much for listening to our take today. Before we get into the reading, if we could just ask you one thing. Uh, If you've been enjoying the podcast, if you could subscribe to us and then leave a rating and review. We'd love to hear from you. And every rating we get helps us reach more people. Ultimately, we're just trying to reach people with the truth of God's word. And your review will help us do that. So thanks so much for being invested in the podcast. Here's the reading for today. 1 Kings chapter 9. As soon as Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord and the king's house and all that Solomon desired to build, the Lord appeared to Solomon a second time as he had appeared to him at Gibeon. And the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your plea, which you have made before me. I have consecrated this house that you have built by putting my name there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. And as for you, if you will walk before me as David your father walked with integrity and of heart and uprightness, doing according to all that I have commanded you and keeping my statutes and my rules, then I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever as I promised David your father, saying, You shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. 
But if you turn aside from following me, you or your children, and do not keep my commandments or my statutes that I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land that I have given them, and the house that I have consecrated for my name I will cast out of my sight. And Israel will become a proverb and a byword among all peoples. And this house will become a heap of ruins. Everyone passing by it will be astonished and will hiss, and they will say, Why has the Lord done thus to this land and to this house? Then they will say, Because they abandoned the Lord their God, who brought their fathers out of the land of Egypt, and laid hold on other gods and worshipped them and served them. Therefore the Lord has brought all this disaster on them. At the end of twenty years in which Solomon had built the two houses, the house of the Lord and the king's house, and Hiram king of Tyre had supplied Solomon with cedar and cypress timber and gold as much as he desired, King Solomon gave to Hiram twenty cities in the land of Galilee. But when Hiram came from Tyre to see the cities that Solomon had given him, they did not please him. Therefore he said, What kind of cities are these that you have given me, my brother? So they are called the land of Kabul to this day. Hiram had sent to the king 120 talents of gold. And this is the account of the forced labor that King Solomon drafted to build the house of the Lord and his own house and the Milo and the wall of Jerusalem and Hazer and Megiddo and Gezer. Pharaoh king of Egypt had gone up and captured Gezer and burned it with fire and had killed the Canaanites who lived in that city and had given its dowry to his daughter Solomon's wife. So Solomon rebuilt Gezer and lower Beth Haran and Balath, and Tamar in the wilderness in the land of Judah, and all the store cities that Solomon had, and the cities for his chariots, and the cities for his horsemen, and whatever Solomon desired to build in Jerusalem, in Lebanon, and in all the land of his dominion. All the people who were left of the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, who were not of the people of Israel, their descendants who were left after them in the land, whom the people of Israel were unable to devote to destruction, These Solomon drafted to be slaves, so that they are to this day. But of the people of Israel, Solomon made no slaves. They were the soldiers. They were his officials, his commanders, his captains, his chariot commanders, his horsemen. These were the chief officers who were over Solomon's work, 550 who had charge of the people who carried on the work. But Pharaoh's daughter went up from the city of David to her own house that Solomon had built for her. Then he built the Milo. Three times a year Solomon used to offer up burnt offerings and peace offerings on the altar that he built for the Lord, making offerings with it before the Lord. So he finished the house. King Solomon built a fleet of ships at Ezion-Geber, which is near Eloth, on the shore of the Red Sea in the land of Edom. And Hiram sent with the fleet his servants, seamen who were familiar with the sea, together with the servants of Solomon. And they went to Ophir and brought from their gold, 420 talents, and they brought it to King Solomon. Second Chronicles chapter 8. At the end of 20 years in which Solomon had built the house of the Lord and his own house, Solomon rebuilt the cities that Hiram had given to him and settled the people of Israel in them. And Solomon went to Hamath Zobah and took it. He built Tadmor in the wilderness and all the store cities that he built in Hamath. He also built the upper Beth Haran and lower Beth Haran fortified cities with walls, gates, and bars, and Balath, and all the store cities that Solomon had, and all the cities of the chariots and the cities for his horsemen, and whatever Solomon desired to build in Jerusalem, in Lebanon, and all the land of his dominion. All the people who were left of the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, who were not of Israel, 
from their descendants who were left after them in the land whom the people of Israel had not destroyed, these Solomon drafted as forced labor, and so they are to this day. But of the people of Israel, Solomon made no slaves for his work. They were soldiers and his officers, the commanders of his chariots and his horsemen. And these were the chief officers of King Solomon, 250 who were exercising authority over the people. Solomon brought Pharaoh's daughter up from the city of David to the house that he had built for her. For he said, My wife shall not live in the house of David, king of Israel, for the place to which the ark of the Lord has come up are holy. Then Solomon offered up burnt offerings to the Lord on the altar of the Lord that he had built there in the vestibule. And the duty of each day required, offering according to the commandment of Moses for the Sabbaths, the new moons, and the three annual feasts, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Booths. According to the ruling of David his father, he appointed the divisions of the priests for their service, and the Levites for their offices of praise and ministry before the priests, as the duty of each day required and the gatekeepers in their divisions at each gate. For so David the man of God had commanded, and they did not turn aside from what the king had commanded the priests and Levites concerning any matter and concerning the treasuries. Thus was accomplished all the work of Solomon from the day the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid until it was finished. So the house of the Lord was completed. Then Solomon went to Ezion-Geber and Eloth on the shore of the sea in the land of Edom. And Hiram sent to him by hand his servants, ships and servants familiar with the sea. And they went to Ophir together with the servants of Solomon and brought from there 450 talents of gold and brought it to King Solomon. Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan, Your Part. If anything stuck out to you, if you have any questions, or if you'd like to receive a Bible, you can email us at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider supporting us through the link in our description. We love that you're on this journey with us, and we hope you have a great day. See you tomorrow.